Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher learning. Uh, it is I, Van Lathan. Sorry, it's me, Rachel Lindsay. What, 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 what's going on? I was I, just, it's, can we, can we let everybody know we're, we're recording this early? So oh, yeah, little, it is early. Uh, it's early. Normally we do this in the afternoon, maybe later, later afternoon. It's a little early. So I was just, just give me a second to, to get into the podcast. What's up, y'all? It's Rachel Lindsay. Let me ask you a question. You think it's appropriate to be wearing that cowboy shirt at this particular time in the franchise's history? So I can't. So I was just supposed to quit on them because they're not doing as well as they have in 26 years. No, <laughs> I'm, no, I mean, to, I'm just it, supposed to quit on them. No, I'm, I'm supporting know. Dak. I'm a loyal Cowboys fan. I always will be. I'm supposed to burn my gear. I don't Come know. Come on now. Oh, no. Come listen, I, I haven't felt as bad. For a professional athlete, as I feel for Dak Prescott Man. in a long time, just it, it, Dak Prescott to come back on a franchise tag again, continues to get franchise tagged by the Cowboys and not want to make a long term commitment to him. And for him to have had that type of gruesome injury, we didn't talk about this in the last podcast, I but know. man. That was hard to watch because, and this is, it was you watching the, the telecast and then. Uh, I guess it was Romo. I can't remember. He says, uh, we, you hope it's a cramp. And then all of a sudden the camera pans and you're like, that's not a goddamn cramp. That's a, the, the opposite of a cramp. That's like a, that's a bone cramp. So I almost you know, cried. I, Cause I felt <laughs> all of Dak's pain. You know, he mm-hmm. wasn't just crying over the injury. He's crying because he has given his all to this franchise. He's yeah. had their back, even when it was unpopular, when people were calling him a sellout. And, um, you know, accusing him of being an Uncle Tom when it comes mm-hmm. to Jerry and and taking a knee. And then they don't reciprocate that by paying him what he yeah. deserves. I mean, he don't deserve 40 million, but, you know, paying him what he deserved. And he don't deserve 40 time, million. Why he don't deserve 40, 40 million? million a year? He he deserves to get paid more than Russell Wilson. Uh, let's just be honest here. No, like they, Russell, they're giving it out to everybody else. He nobody's deserves, getting he, nobody's getting 40. Did did uh did Deshaun? I, Get 40? He's what, 156 for years? Right. Mahomes, Mahomes had to have gotten 40 million, right? Okay, it's Mahomes. He's won a Super Bowl. You can't, can't, I'm not saying Dak shouldn't have been paid. I don't even want to get into that. The fact is, is that they didn't pay him. And this is the reason why he was fighting to be paid. Because if you do get injured, you want some type of security. And he doesn't have it at this point. So it's just really, really sad. I felt all his pain. Shame on Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones and the rest of the Cowboys. I don't know what the appropriate number is, but he is right now. I think they're paying him with the franchise tag. I think the franchise tag right now is thirty six or thirty seven. It's, it's like thirty two. I don't think it's, it? it's not that high. I, I, are you sure, friend? Like, I, is is are you sure? I, are you I sure? think it's around thirty two. Mm, let's I look hope this I'm up. wrong. I hope let's I'm do, wrong. Let's do. Let's take it to the internet. Let's take it to the internet. Dak Prescott. Salary 2020. Uh wow. 30. Wait, wait, wait. Nope. 37.69 million dollars in 2021. So right now, he makes, I think it's 31 million dollars. So guess what? Big right rage is right. 
31 million dollars that's what i'm talking about rich you I, I was hoping wrong, i was wrong in this Why? in this instance because that means he made more money i want i want to see him make more money i mean well, coming up for off of making like two million a year to 30 to something is great but now he doesn't have that security which is what he was fighting for well they say they're gonna resign they say they're gonna resign him but we'll, at we'll what see what price? happens I, I don't know. Price. At this point, obviously, they're probably going to use the ankle as some sort of leveraging tactic to to, to get him down. I, you know, they don't, for some reason, we've seen other quarterbacks, we've seen the Rams make a long-term commitment to Jared Goff. And because they've made a long-term commitment to Jared Goff, they now tailor their offense around making Jared Goff successful. So that mm-hmm. actually gives them incentive to continue to coach him up and, to, and to, yeah. to, to put in pieces around him to help him be successful. And you see the Rams being successful this year. Uh, but the Cowboys seem hesitant to to do that with Dak Prescott, so that makes this even even sadder to me. Do you think it's because of Romo? I heard somebody make this argument that they that because Jerry spent all that money on Tony Romo and he never amounted to what they thought he would be and what he would do for the franchise, he's more hesitant. I don't believe this, but I just heard this. He's more hesitant to pay another quarterback in that same way because he gambled and he lost on Romo. I mean, obviously that could be the case, but the reality of the situation is you're playing in a quarterback-driven league, and if you don't sure up and, you know, not sure up, but if you don't secure that position and know what you're going to have long-term there, uh, it's not, you're not going to be able to win. Now, if you don't think that Dak Prescott is the guy, then, you know, let Dak Prescott go let out him on go, the, right. let, let him go out on the open market and see if you can find that guy. If there's something about Dak Prescott that, that, that you don't like. But uh, to me, you know, I think he's just from a numbers, from a numbers standpoint, he's accomplished way more than enough to prove to everyone. That he's an upper, upper echelon quarterback in the league and deserves to be paid as such. You know, he hasn't won anything, right? You know, he, he definitely hasn't won anything, but, but he's been to more playoff appearances than Tony Romo did. Like, he's done better than Romo. Yeah, but you know. Uh, Romo, did you know Nick Saban tested positive for uh, yes, coronavirus? I heard, I heard that, yes. I just, saw, I just saw that on TV. I did, I did not know that. Sorry. Oh, just did you hear it. about President Trump? He tested positive for coronavirus, too. Did he you hear did? About that? Yeah. Like, he, it was like President Trump, it was like, it was the whole, like, White House. They were testing positive for coronavirus. It was Trump tested positive, Chris Christie, a bunch of, but like the, the president or Dame. Did you hear about that? I must have missed that story. You, yeah, you missed it, didn't you? What are you talking about, Nick Saban? That was yesterday's news. Uh, no, but like, look, right. Uh, no, but here's the thing. I actually was concerned when I heard that. You know, Nick, 68, uh, he's in great health. Great. Um, Nick, Nick, Nick is 68, but I was concerned for Nick Saban. Uh, of course, Alabama plays Georgia this Saturday, and there are <laughs> rules and regulations that stipulate that Nick Saban cannot be really a part of uh, the game at all if he's not going to be on site. But, you know, we know that Nick's going to be sending text messages to Steve I Sarkeesian mean, if he's and positive, he doesn't like need to be anywhere near in the building. Right. Uh, of course, but there was some talk by some people that Nick That's might try crazy. to sneak into a press box and coach in a in a in a in a COVID sort in a of bubble? Ice, coach <laughs> in a bubble or something like that. He's not he's not giving up the reins though. I mean, I I see it, but come on now, for the safety of everybody else, let's not be Trump in this yeah, situation. It's a, Please, it's a big game. It's a big game. Uh now, gotta get right to it right now. But before okay. we get right to it, let's take a little break. 
This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Okay, so we are. There's a, we talked about the fact that we are recording early, and there's a reason why we recorded early. We wanted to have be able to give you guys rapid reaction to uh, the dueling town halls that happened on Thursday night, which is last night. We're taping this on Friday morning. So, Rachel, I'll ask you. Um, I'm assuming that you watched either the highlights or either the full telecasts of uh, both Biden and Trump's town halls. What did you think? I thought we could have recorded this podcast last night. Yeah, yeah. yeah prior prior to the debate, we could have done our regular scheduled podcast because I don't know what I was expecting, Van, to be honest with you. I mean, I will say on Biden's part, he did say some things that I hadn't heard before. You know, he took a strong uh, stance when it comes to uh, transgenders and how that there should be zero discrimination. He mm-hmm. specifically talked about there's a problem with uh, people of color that are transgender and how yeah. that needed to stop. So I thought th- I thought that was a big moment. Um, he the when it came, comes to court packing, he said he would make a statement on it prior to the election. I, I was I, shocked. I thought I thought that was the most substantive thing to come out of D- yeah. Biden's town hall. Don't get me wrong. I thought Biden did a great job up there. He I think did. He did, thought a good job. But I think the most substantive thing to come out of his town hall was he said he gave a definitive answer on um, the court packing and say, listen, I'm going to wait to see what they do. And then I'm going to give the American people my agenda on what I'm going to do. Do you think that that's, and and here's the thing. I I love that he made a statement because people are pressuring him on that. They're like the one thing he's been avoiding, he's avoiding one issue while Trump's avoiding every single issue, but they Mm -hmm. keep hounding him about that. I, I'm glad he said something, but I don't know if he should give his stance before the election. It could turn well, voters because a lot of people have strong opinions on this. They do. I, I think it's important, though. N- number one, it's important for Joe Biden and his campaign to be able to make the case about not just what is happening, but why it's happening. That's the key. Talking about packing the courts, which is not really packing the courts, talking about adding seats to the Supreme Court or even potentially uh you know, annexing Puerto Rico and um, not annexing, but giving statehood to Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. and adding the senators there. It's important to make the case to America, Americans about why. 
And it, there's a case to be made. You know, if you have a 6-3 majority in the Supreme Court, you don't have a representative America. You have the Correct. majority of America being underrepresented by the political views of the court. And that's a fact. And that's not in any way to besmirch, throw shade on, or minimize anybody who's a conservative. But America is not a 6-3 conservative nation. It's right. just not. The polling on this. Now, if it's 5-4 and we're fighting for one vote, that's kind of the American way. 6-3 is very, 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 very at cross purposes uh, to the way a lot of the country is moving. And once again, that is not in any way to minimize what so many other people uh, in America think in terms of, um, uh, you know, their conservative beliefs. I'm from Louisiana. I know how people feel down there about a, a wide variety of issues. But, you know, if you make the case to Americans that what we need is a court, a Supreme Court, that is representative of a larger swath of who we are, and this is going to accomplish that, I just don't see you turn out turning off that many voters that are considering voting for Biden. Now, if the but like bo- Trump voters, obviously, but voters that are con- uh, that are considering voting for Biden should at least be willing, in my estimation, to listen to the explanation that doing this to the court at this point could actually be bringing some balance to the Supreme Court uh, and actually having the Supreme Court be an institution that thinks about the heart and the will of the whole country and is not just uh, a a sort of um, a a trigger for conservatives to pull whenever they want to get something overturned. I think that's a really good point. My fear is, is that like you're well-versed and you do the research and you are trying to understand what's being done. You don't listen to a term like court packing and get a general sense of it and keep it moving. Most people, I feel, do that, though. And so that's my fear, is if you are in the middle and you're very, not hesitant, but if you have a strong opinion about court packing and you don't do the research and you don't understand the significance of court packing and why it's necessary to even it out and have that balance and be reflective of what the United States looks like or the people look like and what's representative of their ideals, then it could be a problem. If you don't do, if they don't do that research, that's just my fear of it, right? I feel like people hear these terms, people generalize what they mean, and they and they get caught up in that rather than actually understanding the importance of court packing and like what and how detrimental that can be when it comes to future decisions. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly, but uh, also, you know, it's up to the the Biden campaign to make that case, right? It's it shouldn't, yeah. you know, it, it shouldn't. That's not something that should be volleyed back to the American people and relied upon them to make heads or tails of it. It's up to the Biden campaign to make the case about uh, why they would do anything that they would do, not just the court packing, but anything that they would do. So they have to be they have to be communicators in that respect in order to get that message to the people that didn't want to vote for them. Right. And they will do that. But that doesn't mean that necessarily people will hear it, understand it, receive it, accept it. So it, it does fall on the people. Right. Are you going to understand and listen to what they're saying? Are you going to do the research to understand the significance of court packing? Or are you just going to be like, oh, we shouldn't do that? Like, that's never we haven't seen that done before for Biden to expand the court or, you know, in our time, we haven't seen it done. It's like that's that's more of what my fear is. But I don't know. Who knows? Going back to going back to um, the uh, town halls, I watch Trump's more than I watch Biden's because one I thought it was going to be on NBC and I recorded it and I could not find it. So by the mm. time I came home, I had to watch it live on MSNBC. I was confused by that. Did mm-hmm. you? Did you? No. See? no. Okay. Okay. 
Um, Savannah Guthrie. Mm-hmm. But so you you saw the highlights. What did you think about her as a moderator? I watched uh, the whole thing. I think that moderating something like that with the president of the United States is a is a very tricky deal. And I thought she did as best as she could. I thought that she tried to I, see. It's difficult to be a moderator slash fact checker in the moment, right? Right. So you have to. It, the onus of these news networks, and this is what they are: their news networks is to put out seemingly everybody has their slant, everybody has their biases, but to put out seemingly fact-based accounts of what's going on in the country and what people really said and what people really mean and what people really did. Mm -hmm. And it's just very difficult to do with Donald Trump sitting down there because so much of what he says is just completely untrue or off base. And so it looks like you're going to have a contentious moderator or over-anxious moderator or whatever because you have someone who's trying to, in real time, fact-check the president of the United States uh, or even translate the president of the United States uh, every single time he speaks. So with that respect, I thought she did a decent job. Why? Did you not, were you not okay with her performance? No, I I watched the progression of it. So when she started Uh off, I felt like she was giving him too much leeway. And I feel like somebody was in her ear that was like, just go for it. And then as you could, as the, uh, the town hall continued, she really started challenging him. And even after they took questions from the audience, every single time there was a question, and he would answer, like for healthcare, for example, someone asked about that and he didn't answer the question. He's just mm-hmm. condemned Obamacare. And then she came back with, well, actually, you know, this is what you this is what you're doing right now. Or when he talked about DACA and she's like, your administration has done nothing but curtail, curtail DACA. DACA. Yeah, I thought that was a good point. So for the first time in a long time, I saw a moderator who was fact checking him in this town hall debate. And I thought it was effective and you could tell she had him rattled. I mean, at one point he was like, oh, that's really cute. You know, yeah. he was very condescending to her. So I thought it was effective in in the fact that what Trump did last night, I don't think he gained any voters. All he did was empower. That's all he's doing right now is empowering and firing up his core base. He is not bringing over, in my opinion, Anytime he gets TV time, he is not bringing over anybody to his side. If anything mm. else, it continues to make him look worse. Yeah, he, he, um, I don't think he's, I think the winning over the independent slash undecided slash disaffected Hillary voter for 2016 strategy went out the window a couple of weeks ago, maybe even a month ago. I think what he, what he's banking on right now is that his base is strong enough in the key swing states in order for him to win the election. Mm-hmm. That all he has to do is turn out the X amount of Trump people. Um, and that coupled with the people who are, are disenchanted with the Democrats and who will stay home or who will vote third party will give him a slim victory. Uh, you know, he hasn't, he's not going to even try to win women. It doesn't seem he's certainly not going to try to win black women. I think he's, he's, he's relying on a certain class of voter to really, really, really turn out. And then also probably some other shenanigans like voter suppression and voter intimidation uh, to make up the ground that he can then come back and 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 and, and steal a close one. Uh, if Trump wins, it's got to be razor thin. You know, if if he wins, if Biden wins, it could potentially be a landslide. But if Trump yeah. wins, it's going to be a razor thin margin. So I think that he thinks that his people are enough to kind of get him uh, get him to two seventy. So I mean, we'll see if he's right. Uh, to me, to me, you know. To me personally, it 
it it seems as if what the president really wants is to plunge America into a state of dysfunction to where nobody knows anything. We don't know who won the election. We don't know, uh, you know, we don't know who's safe. We don't know who's unsafe. We don't know anything. And then that way his friends um, can come in and steal it for him. You know, he's, you know, Pat, we talk about packing the court. We're not talking Mm -hmm. about the fact that Trump isn't giving the American people a chance to decide who their Supreme Court justice is. He's putting the, um, he's putting the justice in. And so he's putting the justice in, like they talked about last night in hopes that if it gets there, uh, that in some way, uh, Barrett will make a, a, a kind decision to the president if, if the election gets to the Supreme Court. Well, that's exactly what he's hoping for. And that's yeah. what people need to understand. The week after is just as important as the, the day of the election, because that's when they're going to be arguing that case in front of the Supreme Court. That's why they're rushing this whole thing. Um, you said that that Trump isn't really you said He's not really going after new voters. I'm paraphrasing. You talked mm-hmm. about he's not necessarily trying to go after like the suburban women anymore, the black women. But what about the platinum plan? You don't think he's think, trying in some way to attract new voters? I think the platinum plan is. Well, and we're going to talk about that. I think the platinum plan is not necessarily trying to attract. New voters, it's because the. I think that it's more, it's an interesting question. I think the platinum plan uh, is more trying to get people who, well, you know what? There's no other way to say it. Yeah, you're right. The, the platinum plan is trying to attract new voters, but it's, a, it's in a specific pool. Like, l- let's be real. Very few people are fooled by the platinum plan. There's a small percentage of black men, be honest with you, and as really? a black man, I am disappointed. There's a small percentage of black men. It's, Trump's got Trump's some numbers say between 15 and 18 percent support amongst black men. Mm. So there's a small percentage of black What's men. What's wrong with y'all? What's I, I wrong don't know. With y'all? I, I don't know. I don't know. There's a small percentage of black men who are being fooled by the platinum plan. And I suppose that they're new voters. Um, I don't know how many of them are going to actually get out and vote. But I think the platinum plan is less of a voter strategy and more of a distraction to to sow division within a community that seems to be pretty united on who Donald Trump is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of those brothers that they might have not voted before or they might have voted for Trump in 2016 or more, more than that, they might just be proselytizing the virtues of Trump. But yeah, to your point, you could consider them uh, certainly him. He's trying to, to, to fire up some brothers that hear five hundred billion dollars. Uh, and then run out to the polls to vote for him. I, I think that that that's that's fair to say. Oh, it's also a number. I mean, it plays into the statement. What does he say time and time again? He said it last night in the town hall. Other than Abraham Lincoln, I am the only pre- I've done more than black for black people than any other president outside of Abraham Lincoln. That platinum plan plays into that narrative. It's another thing for him to say, look what else I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, you know, close the generational wealth gap you know, between white Americans and black Americans with this platinum plan. And then, you know, you can segue into the next topic, but we know sure. one of the one of the props he's using to do that with. Yeah, uh, our, our brother, Ice Cube, <laughs> Ice Cube, who is, to me, one of our, <laughs> man, look, when, you, when you're talking about sort of societal theory, 
and the way you look at the world, and this is probably part of the problem. Um, Ice Cube was one of the guys that like helped frame that for me. You know, when I really started to get into hip hop, like seriously to where I could really understand it, 91, 92, 93, you know, Ice Cube represented a rapper who was gangster, but also had a keen eye for observation in terms of the way things go in the world, you know? Um, and he just, he, he was a, it was almost like nuanced gangster rap. It was incredibly aggressive and incredibly to the point, but the themes in, in Cube's mu- uh, music were always socio-political. Sometimes they were religious. You know, you saw Cube with, uh, you know, a lot with the nation and, you know, things like that. Uh, so Cube has a reputation of being a, one of the more serious and thoughtful guys that that's out there. And so when, obviously you guys know what we're talking about, uh, you know, Ice Cube, it came out that Ice Cube, Katrina Pearson put out that Ice Cube was in communication with the Trump administration. Uh, he has a contract with Black America and that they said that, you know, Trump, he, that he listened to him, he talked to them and some of the things from the contract for Black America went inside of the platinum plan. And that Ice Cube, it, a lot of people took that as being that Ice Cube in some way is an emissary now for the Trump administration. Cube says that he, that he put out uh, that both the Democrats and the Republicans reached out to him to talk about his contract with Black America, which was formulated with a lot of people, including the doctor over there, uh, excuse me, an economist named Sandy Darity, uh, and that the Democrats said that they would talk to him and move more about it after the election. And he said that the Republicans listened to him immediately and tweaked some things in their platinum plan to include some things from his contract with Black America. Contract with Black America. So being that that's the case, Now that we have all of the information, Ice Cube has responded to that. We're not just reacting to a headline that we see on Twitter. What are your thoughts? Um, It's like, and and, I mean, people were going crazy over this. This was everywhere. I even have friends saying to me, are y'all going to talk about this on the podcast? I think the fact that Katrina, that's right, Katrina Pearson is the person who released the fact that he worked with the Trump administration in regards to the platinum plan, or he met, he met with them to talk about his contract for black America and try to implement some of those ideals into the platinum plan shows you that ice cube necessarily wasn't trying to get this information out there that he worked with the Trump administration and they wanted to let everybody know that they work with ice cube, somebody who has been very against Trump and his administration in what they've done. And it goes into the thought that they are using him for a prop. Because this Mm. is the thing. The Platinum Plan was introduced during an election year. It's not an initiative that he's been trying to push through his presidency since he wants to claim that he's done so much for Black people. It's a Mm -hmm. last-ditch effort to increase the Black vote. It's not a plan of execution or action. It's just a plan of campaign points and promises that will unlikely be fulfilled if he becomes the president. Right. In this election. And I, it's like I, I understand Ice Cube's heart and his mindset and that he wants to see growth and to better the black community. But you had to realize that you're a pawn in his plan. He's not trying to help the community. President Trump has told, shown us time and time again that he only cares about himself. Just look at how he has handled the covid virus with hundreds of thousands of people who have died to this virus. He does not care about the black community. And I just don't understand how knowing his track record, knowing who he is, that you can 
think that this plan will be carried out if he's elected. I don't understand how for you to be so against Trump and seeing what he's done and so against politics, right? He's constantly talking about you can't trust anybody, but he wanted to speak to someone who has the power to help black Americans to close the generational wealth gap. But I don't understand how you can trust him. And I don't understand why it was so imperative for him to do it now and why he couldn't wait until the election was over to determine who was going to take office in November, which is apparently what the Biden administration told him. Right. The Biden said they they met with him. They talked with him over Zoom or or representatives of his camp. And they said, we'll take it into consideration. But we and I'm paraphrasing here, but we don't want to do it until after the election, which I frankly, I understand. Right. Like we're down to the wire at this point. But I just don't understand how. He really thought when he's not the first person to go meet with Trump, like Steve Harvey did it, right? And nothing has been done and come out of it other than them taunting that they are are putting up the fact that they met with these people and, you know, they're taken into consideration. But at the end of the day, nothing is actually done. And yeah. as smart as Ice Cube is and as as a, he's been such a, a force, even you telling your own example in the black community, I don't understand how he really thought that this was going to make a difference or how he feels he can truly trust Trump will make a difference with by the meetings that he's had. I just don't I don't I don't get it. It just seems so mm-hmm. opposite of what Ice Cube is about. Right. You're um, you're you are correct. Now, for me, a couple of things. Number one. I owe Ice Cube an apology because when I first heard it, I had a knee jerk and I tweeted something that was what very objectionable. Tweet? I tweeted house niggas with attitude. <gasps> oh my gosh. And by the way, that is one of the worst <laughs> things that you can do. There is no space, I'm no going place. I'm to look at it right now. I deleted it. There's there's uh there's no space, no place and no forum for black people to call each other coons, house niggas or uncle toms because they disagree with t- tactics. That was an emotional, stupid, and weak move by Van Lathan, and I take full responsibility. Ice Cube is a uh, a brother and a man who believes that he is trying to help his community. He is somebody who's always been there for his community. He is somebody who has always uh, been in the position where he um, he tries to reach out. Doesn't mean he hasn't said offensive things. Doesn't mean he hasn't offended other communities. But he's always tried to invest back uh, into his community. Having said all of that, that just doesn't mean he's right here. Right. It, 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 it doesn't mean he's right here. It means he's doing what he thinks he needs to do. Mm-hmm. Right? He says black progress is a bipartisan issue. I completely understand that. And I completely get that. What you said is key. Consider, consider what you're talking about. You're talking about a president who's been in office for three and a half years. For three and a half years, have you heard from President Trump any initiative to enrich black people with five hundred mm. billion, which is not enough money, by the way, to to cure the ills in the black community? It's not. It would take way more than that. And if we're talking about reparations, it would be way more than that. But whatever. Have you heard about that? No, you heard about it in an election year because it's a chip used to dangle out there. Now, if President Trump goes out there right now and says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give five hundred billion dollars to black people and I'm going to get it started in the House where it probably wouldn't pass. But let's say. I get it started in the House, right, with the Republicans in the House, and I hold a gun to the Democrats' head, right? I hold a gun to the Democrats' head saying, hey, I want to give $500, to $500 billion to black people. Tell me I can't. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be up to the CBC, and then 
you know, uh, you know, uh, Pelosi and all those people that say we don't want to do that. Well, that puts the Democrats in a bad position. That's a clear Trump card for, right? You know, pun, all the excuse the pun. That's a clear Trump card for them. They could get that done because if they get that done or risk turning off X amount even more black people, right? Then if they could get it through the House, it would get through the Senate, and then he's the president. He'd sign it. Now, why hasn't that happened? Why hasn't $500 billion for black Americans? Why hasn't $100 billion for black Americans? Why hasn't $50 billion for black (laughs) Americans? Why hasn't any of that happened? Well, the reason why that happens is because if Trump actually goes out and tries to accomplish that, $500 a trillion, $50 billion, a large part of his base is going to flip the fuck out. (laughs) Right. (laughs) If he gives $500 billion to black people, a large part of his base is going to lose their rabid-ass minds. And don't think that Trump hasn't handed out billions of dollars to people, because he has. He's handed out billions of dollars to the farmers. He's handed out billions, on more than one occasion, billions of dollars to bail out the farm, not to bail out the farmers, but to assist the farmers um, in some of the things that, to be honest with you, he got them into with his trade situation with China. So the, 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 the question is, in terms of the soy and stuff like that, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the question is, you know, is this tactic useful and is it going to work? I think that's the thing with, with Ice Cube and some other people that I wonder about. It's not about talking to people just to talk to them. It's about, do you know who you're talking to? And I'll say something else. When I talked about how Ice Cube framed my uh, my view of society and, well, the music framed it and the hip-hop music framed it and I, some of the things that he said made me go dip into these books and read more, find out more about who I was, find out more about who my ancestors were, find out more about, you know, the conditions that I lived in. The, the music did that for me. It really did. And, I, and all of those guys did. But I want you to also remember that I was 11. And so being that I was 11... There were things and ways about the world that I didn't understand yet. I'm 40 now. Mm-hmm. And what I've done from the time that I was 11 to the time that I was 40 is I've taken the, I've taken the, the, uh, the opportunity and the time to educate myself on how the world works, how American political theory and American uh, uh, political life works, and also the history of cultural and world political figures and the ramifications of those decisions of those figures. I wonder sometimes if there hasn't been, you know, as we've lived a generation where we've made the Cubes and the Snoops and all of these guys heroes on par with Malcolm and Martin, because let's face it, over the last 30 years, right, over the last let's say 20, let's 30 years over the last 30 years, 1990, over the last 30 years, you can, if if you start talking about African-American black male heroes, you're going to talk about a lot of athletes. You're going to talk about a lot of, uh, a lot of rappers. And you're going to talk about some actors, right? You're going to talk about people like that. Maybe a couple of businessmen, but you are not going to talk about anyone nearly on the level of Stokely Carmichael or, uh, Malcolm X or Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I'm not talking about specifically because those men were so uh, uh, were so brave. 
because the, their time demanded their bravery. I'm talking about the fact that those men were actually geniuses. Those men were actually yeah. unbelievably educated on everything that they spoke on. You could listen to them and, and talk to them and understand what they were doing and why they were doing it and what the machinations for that was. Mm-hmm. You, did, you didn't have to wonder, does this dude know what he's doing? You didn't because it was what they devoted their life to doing. It, it was their job. It wasn't something that they do on the side. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. Li- literally, you know, Ice Cube jumping into politics, which is something that he should do and something that he needs to do as a black American and as a black American uh, figure uh, of, uh, of note and importance. It's, it would be no different than really Martin Luther King Jr. or somebody else from outside of that world getting super involved into the machinations of Hollywood or hip hop. You know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. So I'm not saying that any, no, none of these people should have an opinion, because to be honest with you, I am not well-versed enough to go talk to the president about what black people need. But there are, there are a lot of people who do have that expertise. Yeah. I think what makes it look so bad is that he didn't tell us, right? It looks so it looks like he was trying to hide it. We had to hear from the Trump administration who seemed to be bragging about it more than especially it coming from a Katrina that then rather talking about how it was really an important meeting to benefit the black community. It more so seemed like, oh, guess what, guys? Ice Cube came here. And I rather I think it could have gone a lot better to the community if he had said sat down, however he wanted to do it on his socials in an interview. Maybe he would have done it with Chris Cuomo. He said he had an interview set up with him and they canceled it at the last minute. Or he's actually said he was banned from CNN at first. I don't know if which you saw they, that. Which they say isn't true. Um, but you can imagine how different this conversation could have gone if he controlled the narrative. And I think that that, I mean, people still would have been up in arms and there would have been the critics, but you would have at least heard from him and he would have been controlling all of it rather than now trying to kind of backpedal, not backpedal, but trying to like play catch up because of, mm-hmm. because of the Trump administration said it first. Yeah. I mean, look, that's the whole thing. I mean, I probably Cube learned something. Cube is doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He's out there. Cube is doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He's out there putting his reputation, his riches, his cultural cachet on the line for what he believes is the empowerment and uh, the 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 enrichment of his people. That's exactly what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. But the reality is that there's even a way that you do that. And you know, it it and and what we have to do is we have to see some of these brothers that we've empowered by buying their records, by going to see their movies by buying their jerseys, we have to see them be willing to then turn around and empower the people who do this every single day. And when I say empower them, I don't mean have them craft a plan that then you go out and tout. That's not what I'm talking about. What we have to do as Black people, what we have to do as people in America, period, is we have to find some sort of way to elevate critical and intelligent thinking again. Like... Mm -hmm. There's no reason to be listening to, to, to President Trump over Dr. Fauci ever, <laughs> ever. It's just it's 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 a fucking joke. OK, it, it, it's it's they're, they're doctors who do this. This is their life. Our right. best shot is with them. And when you're talking about economics, 
when you're talking about politics, there are black people all over the place that this is what they do every day. This is what they do every day. Yeah. You, you have Kim Kardashian, God bless her, who's trying to be the face of prison reform, right? The reality is that as this is not to take anything away from that because that's beautiful work, but she's getting talking points from someone as she tries to understand more. But the reality is that there've been people who've been doing this for so, so long. And we have to find some way in our culture specifically, but in American culture, period, to elevate the voices of people who know what the fuck they're talking about. And so the reality is that a lot of people would, would, would say to Ice Cube that he got played a little bit. Because yeah. what, he, what, what he was trying to do was do something in a bipartisan way that ended up being very partisan because one party spiked the football on it. Now, <laughs> it, is, it, it, is, it is also up to us as black people, which is why I was so whack and lame for what I did, to give grace to people who we know are trying to help. Now, if you think Ice Cube is out there with some hidden agenda or whatever, I've seen no evidence of it of that. Yeah. But God, but, but, uh, but God bless you. I don't think that there's anything, any truth to that. I don't think he got no hidden agenda. I don't think that Ice Cube is secretly MAGA. I think Ice Cube wants to see little black pe- little black kids that come from where he come from have what they need, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so if you if you think that, then whatever. But what I will say is that, uh, you know. Even people like me, we got to stop being so emotional about this. Van Lathan first, stop being so emotional about things like that and have critical conversations about where you feel like people are doing things right and where you feel like they could they could use a little tighten up. And then I got to be open to that same criticism. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, well said. Like I said, the, his heart and his mind were in the right place. I just think the strategy was off. You know, why did it have to be now? Like I said, why couldn't it have been after someone was elected? So then it becomes a part of their initiative as a president rather than as a talking point for their campaign um, promises that will unlikely be fulfilled. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I hope that this didn't discourage Ice Cube. And I don't think it will. He doesn't no, seem like he's a person who's affected he don't get by discouraged. it. But what I hope is that that people will see what he what the purpose was behind it. And then maybe we can come together and create Maybe not necessarily a different plan, but how we can effectively implement that in the next administration. Because he's not wrong in what he's trying to do. It's more of like who he was trying to do it with and what their purpose is. Right. Also, to the Democrats and the Republicans, if of which I am neither. I am not a Democrat. I am not a Republican, right? To the Democrats and to the Republicans, if you want to talk about healing, changing, uplifting, empowering, be it financially, culturally, or however, the black community, you do your homework on who you need to be talking to. Don't just go run and talk to uh, famous rappers. Don't just go run and talk to famous comedians. Don't just go run and talk. I mean, you can talk to all of those people, right? Just to get a, a, a like a clickbait moment, right? But if you're gonna, if you're having real substantive conversations, go talk to Sandy Darity himself, a guy who helped. Uh, Ice Cube craft his platinum plan, you know, an economist from North Carolina. Go talk to him. Uh, well, I think he's actually at Duke, but go talk to go talk to him, him himself. Yeah. Talk to other people who are in it. Talk to Philip McHarris about uh, police reform. Talk to Alicia Garza. You know what I mean? Talk to people that know what it is who've been doing this for a long time. Get in rooms with really smart Black Americans all over the spectrum. 
some conservative, some liberal, and figure out what it is that we can agree on and then agree to disagree on to actually address things that are going on. And talk to David Gross. Talk to all of these people, right, who are mm-hmm. out here building in the black community. Not saying that Cube and the rest of the guys who are famous aren't, because we all are. But talk to the people who know how to make the bricks and not just how to place them. Mm-hmm. Like, we need people who can formulate those things. So, you know, they have to be serious about it, too. We see people talking to a lot of celebrities and a lot of people, but those aren't always serious conversations. Those are for optics, too. And there's a lot of heavy lifting to be done in the community, and it has to be done in a serious way. So economists, political theorists, abolitionists, uh, people who work every day on the ground of criminal justice reform, empower those voices. And as a community, we need to empower those voices, too, or else we're going to get conversations with rappers and ballers for the the rest of the time that we're here in America. I just don't know how far it goes for us. Mm-hmm. We want all of those people to be active. They have to be active. We need Ice Cube to do exactly what he's doing right now. But on a national political stage, it can't be only Ice Cube that gets that right. gets FaceTime right. with the campaign, right? Did um, you delete uh, your tweet? I did delete it. I did delete Good it because it, go, it goes against a personal edict that I have. I don't know why that was just a... That's like one of my lowest clout chasiest moments because I don't come out with the Uncle Tom shit. I don't come out with the house nigga shit. I don't come with the coon shit. Those are fighting words. Fighting words. You don't, there's no reason for- At least you can admit it though. There's no reason for us to do each other like that. I agree. And I I, I never do it. I didn't even do it to Ye. And Ice Cube certainly didn't delete that. I got caught up in the whackness and I fucking apologize. Yeah. Like and I and and, it, and I apologize to 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 Cube who who didn't even fucking see it. Of course not. But I also just apologize <laughs> to anybody else who saw that because that's not the way we need to do each other. We just can't do each other that way. We got to be we got we got to have more love for each other than that. All right. Now, we're about to take a break, but now we're about to get into woo. Woo. <laughs> Here it oh, comes, I guys. I just realized what it is. Oh, Here my it comes, gosh. guys. Oh, I Here just... It comes. I, wait, we got so caught up in what we were talking about. Oh, my gosh. Here it we comes. We're about to take a Here sharp left turn. A sharp left turn. All right, <laughs> but before we do it, let's take a break real quick. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold Slurpee drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven, and your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small Slurpee drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Oh All right. my God. I meant to text yes. you after. I meant yes. to text you. Yes. You guys, I want you yes. to know I am hearing these thoughts for the first time. I'm I'm listening with you guys. Take it off. Y'all, he has notes. He I have has notes. notes. I took notes. Uh, okay, so well, before you start, my first after watching a full first episode, can mm-hmm. you believe I did the show? Oh, good question, <laughs> Rach. Uh, not really. Okay. Um, like, like I can't, but like the Rach I know, I can't really. I'm gonna go back and watch your season. <laughs> Please don't, because I'm definitely going to, because I, I couldn't see Rach in all of these different situations. I couldn't, I couldn't see it. Uh, I I couldn't see Rach in these in, in these situations, but like because it just seems so underage. You know what I mean? Like you, there's a lot of it's produced. It was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I did. I enjoyed it. But a lot of it is seems very produced. A lot of it seems very produced. And you're a very unproduced person. You never know what Rach is going to do, except for on Instagram when you oh I, here's a bag of peanuts from from like hey exactly it's grateful cup. <laughs> Uh, click the QRC and the, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, they love it. They eat it up now. Yeah. They tag they, you they, and everything I do. Tag everything. Hey, Van Lathan, Van Lathan. <laughs> That's QVC Rage, man. Let her get her money. <laughs> um, okay, so here's the batch recap from Van Lathan. First thing, Claire kind of fine, man. I'm not going to lie. Claire, Beautiful like, woman. The, like Claire got a little bit of body. You know, I wasn't expecting to see that. You know, she's kind of like, I liken Claire to, you know, what a dad must feel like going to a PTA meeting with his son. You know, he goes to the PTA meeting and then the, you know, let's say he's a single dad, right? And he's going to a PTA meeting because his ex-wife has said, hey, I go to all of these things and you never go. Yeah, you never, you never go to the PTA meetings. I go to all of them. Now you need to go and meet Miss Crawley. And dad goes, damn, I don't want to go meet Miss Crawley. I got this game on tonight, blah, blah, blah. All right. All right, let's go meet Miss Crawley. And all of a sudden you get to the to to the PTA meeting or to the parent teacher conference even better. And all of a sudden she gets up and she goes, Hi, I'm Miss Crawley. And you know how teachers dress. They have like that blouse, that little teacher blouse on <laughs> with the with, with the pants, you know? And, yeah. and you go, and you and you look, you look, you go, oh damn, okay, Miss Crawley. That's how that she's she's sexy. She is sexy elementary school teacher fine. That's she's, she she's got like a sultry vibe to her that I yeah. like really like. It's like a mature, sexy. I, I get it. I get it. That's how. Yeah, I but describe. you could still see her teaching you some fractions 
or maybe getting a little lit in Cabo. Either way, she can go either way. <laughs> All right. Okay, so uh, these are some things that I wrote down. The 6A dude was a complete dud for me. What's his name? <laughs> no. No. You can't be 6A and show that much ankle. That nigga ankles was yeah. showing. That, you can't, you shouldn't wear that if you're that tall. I know. He's 6'8", and he's, it looked like he was wearing pedal pushers or capris. You know, know what I'm saying? Like, he, he, you're just too tall home. to do that. He did go home. 6'8", <laughs> get your ass out of here. Gotta have to call a special cab to get him home. Um, <laughs> then, I, 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 Bennett, did you say, did you know, you know Bennett? Bennett, Bennett. The was Har- he Harvard? The Harvard guy? Yeah. yeah. I haven't hated a television show character as much as I've hated the Harvard dude. Oh, as the Harvard dude, the, the Harvard dude sucks. Like, it's like H-bomb. This means you go to Harvard. <laughs> I call it the H-bomb. <laughs> I call it the, you fucking nerd. Nobody give a fuck about that shit. Like, what are you talking about? Like, they don't care that you went to Harvard. It's not, it's not, it's not about you. It's like the H-bomb. I went to Harvard. And then he came out, when he got out of the thing and he was walking towards her, he looked mm-hmm. like, he was like, going to a party with Al Capone in the 30s. He had the little sash over like the tuxedo and stuff like that. Not fucking with him at all. That's that's definitely producer driven. What is? His whole vibe. His whole his, Oh, his whole vibe? Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I think it's okay. dumb. Didn't, didn't dig him at all. Then there was Bubble Ball Guy. Oh, yeah. The... Ed, maybe? Is that maybe? Is it Ed? Okay. A bubble ball guy, I think, gives me serial killer vibes. Because (laughs) I think he's from Miami. I think that's one thing is is one thing, okay, is one thing to like show up and do your whole deal or whatever. Another thing to be in the bubble ball and like be birthed to the world. Like the bubble ball ended up looking like a vagina at the end and you just slide out the bottom of it. Talk about you're going to come see Carl. I, I don't like all the theatrics and shit like that. You know, one dude pulled up in like a station wagon. You know this what I mean? This was like, actually I, toned down. They're normally more extravagant than that. I don't I like didn't that do any, part. I didn't do that. Um, Brian didn't do that for me. Like that wasn't. What did, that Brian, wasn't, what did Brian pull up in? The limo, like they normally do. And he started uh-huh. speaking to me in Spanish. Ooh. And then he said, do you, did you understand Ooh. any of that? And I said, uh-huh. no. And he goes, you ever dated a Colombian guy before? I said, no, not oh. Colombian. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, you're in trouble. Something like that. And right. I was like, oh, oh. you're I was in like, trouble. I, I was oh. like, oh, I, I like trouble. Oh, I love saucy. <laughs> did you know? <laughs> let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Did you know from the get go that Brian was the favorite? He was, I gave him my first impression rose. So you saw that later oh, in the show? I did I saw the first Brian. impression rose. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. We're, we're, we're going to talk about the first impression rose and that whole thing right there as well because this is a fucking joke. This whole season is a joke, by the way. It's a joke. Like because she, of, yeah, like, no, she, so, like, like. I it, wish it, y'all could the, see how he's looking at his notes. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so the guy's name is Dale, right? Dale. Dale. She physically orgasmed when she met him. She did. She is it, it, is is she physically orgasmed? I'm Dale. Oh, oh hi, Dale. <laughs> like it's <laughs> over. What the fuck? 
Damn, like it, it, it's I never I didn't know that it was that is it's over. That's never happened before. That has never yo, happened. Yo, she freaked out when she met Dale. She lost. And by the way, when I saw Dale, Dale's the Dale's the ex like wide receiver or football player dude, right? Right. 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 He looked better on the show than he did in his picture. In his picture, he kind of looked a little whatever, but on the show, I think Dale's suave as hell. Yeah, Dale, that's why she, you know, that's why she fell weak. She lost it. Oh, Dale. She like she she really was like Dale is by far the leader in the clubhouse. That's never happened. Normally they're like, after you meet all the men, they say, Do you think you met your husband? And you're like, get out of here. I don't even remember anybody's name. Not Claire. Mm-hmm. She said Mm-mm. she blacked out. She was shaking. She was sweating. She said, yeah. I think I just met my husband. She blacked out all right. Blacked out. Dead. She just, yeah, she she blacked out all right. It's too much black. She, she, she actually caramelled out because that nigga kind of like a little caramel. But that, I was, I was watching that. I was like, yo, why am I still looking at this? It's over, you know? Um, a couple other things. Number one, I will say this about the show. The first like half of the show, the first like hour, like not hour, but the first part of it was large. There's a lot of filler that was kind of in the show, right? I was, I was, the there's a lot, there's a lot of filler. Yeah, so let me explain thing. to you. Filler in the show. No, normally, what happens is they go to they pick a certain group of people and they go to their hometowns and you, they mm-hmm. film a package. So it'll be like, oh, meet Rachel. She's in Dallas. And it'll show me walking copper. And it'll show me it showed me in the courtroom, <laughs> the courtroom. Right. And then right. it showed me at work. And so you see you get to know who they are uh, before. That's normally what you see. But because of mm-hmm. COVID, they changed the whole thing. I see. So it makes sense. There is method to the madness of what went on there. Uh, There was some snitching that was going on. Did you see that part? Always happens. Yep. Always happens? There's always a a, a situation like this. Every season. With Tyler C., who found out some things about Yusef. All right? We're not as a big mystery about Yusef. Do you know everything that happens, by the way? Do you know? I don't know everything. But you know a lot. Do you know what the mystery with Yusef is? What happened no, with Yusef? The rumor is that he was DMing girls that he, before. That he, was, that he was getting at girls on the gram yeah. or something like that. That's yeah. it? That's the whole That's thing? That's it. That's it. There's nothing more? I mean, later on, I, I think there's some things that happen, but that's right. be, what happens in the bubble. Right. So you the can't... The juice so can't, is just this. So that's it. That's the that's whole it. thing. That he was the DM of the girls. Okay, I thought right. maybe like I thought maybe Yusef was like a grifter or something like that, or an ex actor no. or something. Um, and look, I guess, <laughs> I guess my whole thing is, you know, I, I watched Dale get the first impression rose, and I knew that that was going to happen. But I have to admit, her response to Dale really took a lot of the intrigue out of the show for me. Okay. Okay. Because I'll tell you why. Because I now feel like I know, okay? I feel like I know that Dale is the guy that she ends up with. Dale is the guy that she runs away with. Now, I have questions about this. Okay. These are the, these are the questions. If Dale and Claire decide, if, they, if it is Dale, in fact, that she runs away with, right? And then Tasha comes in, as has been rumored. My thing is, if I'm Dale... I say to Claire, I say, let's not run away. Why would we run away? Let's play it out. Fuck all the other Why? dudes. Like, well, just be on TV. Play it out. 
Like, why make it short when it could be long? Play it out. Play the whole thing out. Like, I'm thinking to myself, because it's so clear now, Dale would literally have to come in here and go, uh, let me tell you about my hero, a guy, inspiration to me, a man named Adolf Hitler. He, that's what he'd have <laughs> to do in order to not win her at this point. Really, really, he could, he could come in. Dale could come in right now. Dale could be like, you know how they do the little slow music and then it's like, you know, I got a story to tell. Dale could be like, just to let you know, yeah, um, I spent some time inside. You know, yeah, I spent about five years inside uh, for actually human trafficking all over the world. I was going from place to place to place to place. Um, and like, you know, that, that movie Taken. Yeah. Yeah. They they based it on my organization. That's what we used to do. We used to go all around. <laughs> and, and she would be like, wow, Dale, how did you overcome that? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's almost nothing. There's very, there's very little that he could do. So it it, it takes a little bit for me. I, I liked the first episode. I enjoyed it. But took a little bit out of the suspense about it because I wasn't expecting it to be that obvious who the guy was. It's not. I mean, you always know who's a front runner, like a few this is a bad season for you to first start on. There's there's never going to be another season like this. Um, the reason I think it's rumored that she left with him so early is because they're in Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. It's 120 degrees every single day. Normally, you're traveling the world, right? In my season, we went to Sweden, Denmark, uh, Norway, Spain, Switzerland. You travel all over. Well, if that was the case, they probably would have stayed to the end. But what's the point? You know what I mean? In Palm Springs? I wouldn't why stay. They, I'd be why out. they doing it in Palm Springs what, then? Because of the bubble. I know, but why they have put the bubble in Palm Springs? They know how hot it is. Do the Bachelor people not have the weather app? They know, <laughs> like, like, or I'm saying, like they know, how, they know how hot it is in Palm Springs. Why do it in Palm Springs? Why not do it somewhere with a more temperate climate? There are I a lot think of places with you Col- well, they they are now for Matt's season. They're filming that already right now. They're in uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is the mm-hmm. bubble. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think with uh, I think it was just logistically it was easier for them. But this is a bad season for you to start on because no, it's great. I love All it. Right. Okay, Dale. well, I'm I'm glad. <laughs> like Dale Diggler is his name. Dale Diggler. And Dale, why is it that? You never saw Boogie Nights. Everybody that saw Boogie Nights, they know what Dirt Diggler was about. Dirt Diggler was about diggling the ladies. <laughs> and that is, and, and that is, and that is Dale. And by the way, Dale know he the shit. And the rest of the guys around there, they sense it too. They do. They sense it too. By the way, I told you the guy with the heart on this, remember I called it? The dude with the you heart tattoo? You said he was going to stay till the end. Wait, that's, is that the chef? Yes, and I oh, meant yeah, to, my bad. I, that was in my notes. I was like, Van said he was going to stay to the end because he could cook, and I don't even remember what else. He went home immediately the first with day, the heart. Yeah, the, yeah. the heart on this thing. They sent so you're home. not good at this. You're not. You're not seasoned not, enough to be. I'm to not guess. seasoned enough <laughs> because I, I got a little bit. Oh, I do tell you what. You know who I like the most? I was going to ask you who was your favorite. Easy. Oh, we had him on the podcast this week. I like Easy the most. I think that Easy has a shot. If he sticks around for Tasha, if in fact that's what happened, because we can't say that it's happening because mm-hmm. Rach is part of the Bachelor Nation. But if Easy sticks around for Tasha, Easy has a big shot at Tasha. A big shot at Tasha. I like Easy. 
I like you can easily. tell who the producers like because who they give the most screen time to and they let narrate the show. Easy's right. the narrator, which right. means he's respected in the house and mm-hmm. by production. Yeah, I like I like Easy. So I hate Blake. I don't like Blake. Blake makes well, me sick. The, the one who DM'd her secretly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't like Blake. Blake broke the rules. She came down with the hammer on Blake. Blake she, broke the rules and told the truth. I'm sure there were others. You sure there were others who did that? Is, did that happen to you? No. What Claire has, we didn't have. So you have to realize this is all different. Normally, I was announced early. Mm-hmm. I ran into one guy at the gym three days before my season started. And he said something like, I'll see you soon. And I was like, oh, he must be on my season. That's as close as it got. And he was, and he, and I thought he was cute and he was black. And I was like, I'm not telling anybody because I don't want him to get kicked off the season. And then he right. told everybody. Um, but no, normally Claire got to creep on her man for four months before she met them. That's mm. why do you think she was so, I don't think she, she told me she didn't talk to Dale. I talked to Claire quite a bit. Mm-hmm. She told me she didn't talk to Dale before. She'd tell me if she did. Hmm. She'd tell mm. me. Well, I'm glad you, you enjoyed your first episode. I did. I did. I got to get even more in depth with the next one. I think I'm going to do, I'm thinking I'm going to start doing character breakdowns like we do on uh, all, uh, the, the, the Wire podcast I do because I got to admit, I, I liked the episode and it was a fun watch, but the Dale thing took a little wind out of my sails because it's so, I wanted to, I wanted this episode to be me figuring out who it was going to be that um, that she ran away with. But as soon as she saw Dale, she had his baby right then and there. So and, and, I think and it's the like, producers and it's like, are playing into the rumors. She had his baby right then and there. She, you didn't see that? She became pregnant. <laughs> the dress expanded. And a, a bouncing baby boy came right out of her womb right then. And it was I, like, hey. Wa- wait till the second episode. I've seen it. When you watch the second episode, you other people start to rise up. Interesting. Oh, are you telling me that there's a chance that it's not Dale? I think the producers are smart in playing into what everybody's saying. Listen, there's a reason the show's been on for so many years. They know what they're doing. So you start to see other people and you're like, okay. Maybe. 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 I'll tell you what, man. If it's not Dale, if it's not Dale, Dale had to say something really fucking stupid. <laughs> Along the lines of the stupid things that I said earlier. By the way, that's or not maybe to make light of human trafficking. Or maybe he's not. Maybe Dale is some sort of, maybe, what, what could Dale be? What could he be? Well, you know, the guys are saying in the house, there's like the preview of them. They're like, Dale's yeah. one way in front of her and he's totally yeah, he, different with us. Changed, that happens a that's lot. That's what he said. He said he shows out for the cameras a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they like, do, like, let me ask a question. Do them niggas ever get to locking in there? Like, is there like physical fights inside Dude. the batch? Has, it, has there yeah, ever been Yeah, there have like, definitely been fights before. For that's sure. I want to see. I want to see some niggas get the the hooking in that bitch. I remember there was like a big argument because they, you know, they had like a guy who was from Mississippi, never dated black women on my season and was saying Uh some crazy things to the dudes in the house. So like there was some, I don't know everything, but I I heard them yelling at one point when I was in the mansion one time and and I was like, well, I'm gonna go say something and they wouldn't let me. Uh And I got frustrated. So this is, there's a point in my season where you see me crying. And I'm upset, but they used the crying and made it seem like it was something different. But I was like, <laughs> I want to see, I want that. I go, it's y'all's fault 
that I that you gave me this pool of black men and I'm not and I'm not happy with it. You need to go back to casting and do it over again. And mm-hmm. I was telling them, I was like, you're forcing me to do things that the world would force me to do. You didn't give me a good pool of men and you should go back and start over again. And so I was upset that they weren't allowing me to do what I wanted to do. I was upset with the black men on my show because most of them did not date black women. Mm-hmm. They, they cast a black men that were not into black women. I was upset about that. Okay, so that is Dale gets the first impression, Rose. Uh, he probably made the strongest first impression of any character uh, in, in Bachelorette history. I can't say that because I've only watched one show in the history of life, but I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. I gotta, it, it happens, the show moves fast, so I gotta change my watching habits a little bit. I'm gonna be more thorough next week. But I enjoyed what I saw, and I am intrigued by this whole Dale thing. I'm intrigued by it because it doesn't seem quite fair. Just mm. to be honest with you. Just to be honest with you. Doesn't seem fair. A lot of guys switch up their lives, come to look for love in a bachelor, she sees one dude, all of a sudden she has twins, and now the whole <laughs> thing is over. So it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. This is what I will tell you. This, what you're realizing is the men are watching this for the first time that we're on the season. So they're mm-hmm. probably having a fit at seeing her reaction to Dell because mm-hmm. at the time they didn't see it. So what you have to look forward to Van that you don't know about is there is something called the men tell all. And it's a reunion where they sit down with the host, oh Chris God. Harrison, yes. and it all comes to a head. So yes. Chris Harrison, who, by the way, before we move on, Chris Harrison seemed taken aback by the fact that she reacted so strongly to Dale. Even he was happens. like, even he was like, whoa. <laughs> like, whoa, slow down there, Claire. All right. All right. She now, said, I knew it. I knew I, it. I knew it. I just met my husband. <laughs> damn, damn, Dale. Dale gotta be feeling good about himself. Um, all right. Now, boom, boom, boom. It is time for one of our favorite parts of the show, El Melbag. Your mailbag questions, we are about to get into them right now. Jordan, take it away whenever you want. First question from Avalon Hernandez. Please tell a story when you sent a text message to the wrong person. Ooh. Oh, I know I've done this before. Do you, ha- do you have one? I do. You can always remember your stories. Go ahead. I do. So when I was doing the TMZ tour... um. So when when I was doing the TMZ tour, the the guy who trained me to do the TMZ tour was Mike Leonardo, who is a fantastic television producer, right? Uh, A fantastic television producer and someone who mentored me through the tour process of learning how to do the tour. Mike Leonardo is just an amazing guy who really helped build and, uh, and brand the TMZ tour and was a part of me sort of learning how learning the ropes of TMZ. He was a big advocate for me. He was a great guy. He worked on, I think it was Ellen for a lot of years. So he might have some interesting stories there. But Mike Leonardo was a dude. Anyway, after the tour kind of got going, Mike left. And the guy who took over the TMZ tours was Andy Maurer. Andy Maurer is, uh, was also a fan- is also a fantastic guy. An amazing dude. Um... But he has a very close personal relationship with Harvard. Andy is Harvey's partner. Um, and so when, remember, Andy is Harvey's partner. They've been, been together for years, right? Andy is a fantastic human being. An A1 
like top flight, fantastic human being who also was, you know, helped me a lot and talked to me a lot. But when, when Andy, for, when Andy first took over, it was like a little bit of a, cause I was so loyal to Mike. Right. And so I remember I sent a text that I thought I was sending to one of the other tour guides, but I sent it to Andy and it was like, damn, man, we really, really need to get Leonardo back. This whole fucking thing is going to go to shit. Now, think about it. This is a text that was sent or something along those lines. This is a text that was sent not only to your boss when you think you're talking to it. This is a text that was sent to someone who is very close to the CEO of the entire company. And I remember when I hit send and the text went through, I was like, I, just, I laughed. When I saw where I sent it, I laughed so hard because I was like, nigga, this is how you going out here? You something like, <laughs> like man, you, you, going, you, you really, really going out like a real deal, A1 top flight chump. They're going to fire you and you're going to be telling your homies. Um, like I, I got fired because I accidentally texted the boss the wrong thing. That's that. That is the best story of that. That's the only time I can remember that happening. I, I, I can't remember. I know I've done it. I just can't remember. Okay. I, I can't. Sorry, that's too hard. That's too hard. I know I've done it. We've all done it. We've all done it. All right, cool. Next mailbag question from Joanna Zaldivar. On a scale of one to ten, how petty do you consider yourselves to be? Ooh. <laughs> that's a great question. That's a great question. Uh, shit. I'm definitely gonna say an eight. Yeah. Maybe a nine. <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty petty, man. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I, but, it, it depends on what you mean by petty. I'm not maliciously petty, but in terms of just, I'm not maliciously petty. I'm mischievously petty. I feel like there's levels to it, right? In my mind. I'm a straight up 10. Right. But do I act on the pettiness? That's another thing. That's where it goes oh, I down. I don't know if I act on my pettiness, but I definitely think it. I like go through the whole thing in my mind and then I'm like, no. Like I start to reason it out. Do you mm. act on your pettiness, man? Not so I act on my pettiness. Well, nah, I've told you so many stories. I'm bullshitting, man. It's a 10. I've told you guys too, I've, I've told you guys way too many stories of petty shit that I did for me to turn back now. And it's but it's pettiness. But see, I would never be petty with anyone who I didn't really know personally, right? So if I know you personally, I know you can handle it, and I know you know me, I would be petty with you. But just pettiness for the sake to watch the world burn, that's never been me. Like, I mean, I can remember times where I was dating somebody and we broke up. And I purposely did things because I knew he would see it or it would get back to him that would piss him off. That I, I, I'll do that kind of petty stuff. Now I don't have to, you know? Now you, now you don't have to. You don't have I don't to. have to. You don't back have to. Then. Back then, sure. yeah. All right. Uh, one more. Where is the weirdest place you've been recognized? Ooh, weirdest. Oh, uh, in St. Martin. St. Martin on vacation. Really? Landed, landed in St. Martin. Actually, not St. Martin. Uh, Grenada, should I say. Landed in Grenada. We, we get a vacation. We're going to get uh, the uh, the like little ATVs that we about to ride around on. You know what I mean? And like we ride around the island and stuff like that. And, ha and had somebody go, 
oh, that's not true. I'm lying. The emergency room. Was this your your recent visit when you thought that you had testicular cancer? No, the emergency room. <laughs> like, uh, the, the grenade thing was whatever, but the emergency room was different because, like, I had had a panic attack some years back, and I went to the emergency room, and they're hooking me up and doing all of that stuff that they do and all of that shit. And then I'm in the emergency room, and and, and after I get all, all, like, you know, they level me out and stuff like that, uh, the nurse goes, uh, and you are the guy from TMZ, right? And I'm like, <sighs> thinking in my mind, get the fuck out of here. But 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 that's probably the weirdest place for me. I don't know if it's the weirdest. I mean, I was recognized in Norway. I was shocked. People ran up on the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, most recently, Aruba. Oh, that's uh, the ass. Okay. Yeah, vacation. Some girls floated up, floated up to me mm-hmm. uh, in a cabana. But I don't... I. I think, and I can't think off the top of my head, and I know y'all are going to get tired of me saying this. It's more of who recognized me that I think mm. shocked me. Um, that I was like, whoa, like you you watch the show or you know who I am. That's more of who it's been. But I'm trying to remember who. I was shocked Cory Booker knew who I was. Okay. Yeah, okay, Cory. Okay, that shocked me. Uh yeah, it's Shooters. just more of like who's a fan of the show. You know, like you you never know. A lot of people like to watch The Bachelor as their guilty pleasure. So when I'm doing interviews with certain people, I'm shocked that they're like, oh my gosh, Rachel, when I pop into like the Zoom. Mm. More of that. Okay. Word. Well, that's it. That's it, mailbag. That's it. That's it, mailbag. Uh, Rachel, unexpected ally of the week. I'm gonna go simple with this one. I'm gonna give it to Savannah Guthrie, who moderated mm-hmm. uh, Trump's town hall, mainly because a lot of people were upset that NBC decided to air it at the same time as Joe Biden's town hall, and ABC announced their time and date first. So I mm-hmm. agree with that. I think it's ridiculous that they did it for ratings rather than so that people could be informed. But Savannah stood out because I love the way that she handled it. She challenged President Trump. She made him uncomfortable and she fact checked him when he says stuff. She did not let him get away with just talking in platitudes and generalizations. So I appreciated that. She is my unexpected ally of the week. Mine is Alex Caruso from the Los Angeles Lakers. It's not unexpected that he would show up, but the white boy let us. No, I'm just joking. He didn't lead us. No, but he Alex did Caruso, not. Like, he didn't lead us at all. <laughs> he didn't lead us at all. But the white boy, I'm so happy to say this. Alex Caruso, NBA champion. He literally looks like he works at 24 Hour <laughs> Fitness. He looks like he works at 24 Hour Fitness. He does. Alex Caruso looks like the dude who, when everybody's shooting around at 24 Hour Fitness, when we're all playing, he's in his 24 hours fitness gear, right? And he's, he's like showing somebody around the gym, right? And then he sees us playing basketball. And then as he's showing him, this is where guys play basketball and stuff like that. And all of a sudden he grabs the ball, he gets up and dunks it. And we go, oh shit. And he goes, yeah, I played at Texas A&M and stuff like that before I became a personal trainer slash, uh, <laughs> slash nutrition coach here at 24 Hour Fitness. You know what I'm saying? That's, how, that's what he looks like. He is cut from central casting, but Alex Caruso, he's made himself into an NBA player. Yes. He is my unexpected ally of the week for the world champion, uh, Los Angeles Lakers. If only he could play for the Dodgers. By the time y'all hear this podcast, the Dodgers might be uh, on their way back home um, to L.A. All right. That is it. 
Thought Warriors, you can take your thinking caps off, but please do not stop thinking. We need you to use those brain waves. I am Van Lathan. I'm Rachel Lindsay. Higher learning is over.